You're listening to The Bible Explorer, a podcast about the misunderstood, unusual, and little-known aspects of the Bible. My name is Matt Morton, and I'm your host. This is episode 10, Go On Up, You Baldy! Well, before I dive into the topic for this week, I want to mention one housekeeping item, and that is that from here on out, I will probably be doing these podcast episodes uh, roughly every two to three weeks rather than every single week. Uh, I wanted to start strong for a while there, especially when I had some time during the late spring and summer. Uh, and get several episodes out there, but I also knew that in the long run, I wasn't going to be able to produce one every single week. Uh, But I am excited to continue moving forward with new episodes, and I have a lot of topics still ahead that I plan to cover, so I hope you'll stay with me. So this week, what I want to look at is a really unusual passage from the Old Testament, specifically from the book of Second Kings. And uh, it involves the character or the prophet Elisha. And I want to read the passage, and then we're going to talk about it for a little, uh, a little bit today. So this is Second Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 23. And it says, Then he, that is Elisha, went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, Young lads came out from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. When he looked behind him and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 lads of their number. He went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. So this is a, uh, a passage that on the face of it seems very bizarre. In fact, when I uh, read an article not long ago about some of the strangest passages in the Bible, this one definitely made the list because uh, on the face of it, it seems like a very extreme reaction to a very small issue. And that is, you've got this prophet, Elisha, going up to the city And if you read it uh, on its face, it it seems like a bunch of little boys come out and start making fun of him for being bald. And he responds by uh, summoning two giant bears from the woods who come and tear a whole bunch of these kids to pieces. So uh, it seems like an overreaction. You read it, you go, man, maybe he was just super sensitive about his male pattern baldness or something along those lines. Uh, What is the deal? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to begin, uh, like we always do, by by talking a little bit about the context of this passage and what's actually happening. Um, this is happening uh, shortly after the ascension of Elijah into heaven. Now, um, if you're like me, uh, you may get confused between Elijah with a J and Elisha with an S-H. Right, So you've got these two different prophets. Both of them were prophets to the northern kingdom of Israel um, during primarily the 9th and 8th centuries before Christ. So Elijah, with a J, he came first, and Elijah was the guy that was the prophet um, 
mostly during the reign of Ahab, of King Ahab. So in the early 9th century BC, um, in the northern kingdom of Israel. So this is after the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel had split. Uh, Typically, we call the northern kingdom Israel, and we call the southern kingdom Judah. So Elijah is in the northern kingdom, and Ahab was the king of Israel. But you may remember Ahab married Jezebel. Um, Jezebel was a wicked uh, Sidonian princess, and uh, in fact, she was so wicked that to this day, uh, to call somebody a Jezebel is a bad deal, right? You don't want to call a woman that um, unless you want to get slapped, right? So, uh, but what Jezebel did was she incited Israel to idolatry, to violence, to sexual immorality. She incited her husband Ahab to all of those terrible things as well. So, Elijah's role was to warn Ahab and Jezebel that they were disobeying God. If they didn't change their ways, there was going to be judgment. And of course, uh, there was. Ahab and Jezebel both died very grisly deaths uh, as judgment for their sin. After Elijah's ministry was done, he didn't die. Instead, uh, God carried him to heaven in a chariot of fire. A chariot of fire came down from heaven, grabbed Elijah, took him back to heaven. Elisha then carried on Elijah's ministry. And uh, Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle or cloak off of the ground And that was a symbol that he was going to continue in the ministry of his mentor, Elijah. Um, Elisha is probably most famous for the incident involving Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army. You may remember Naaman had leprosy. This is 2 Kings 5. And he came to Elisha to ask for healing. And what Elisha did, you'll remember, is he said, hey, Naaman, go wash seven times in the Jordan River, and you will be healed. And Naaman is at first resistant to that, but eventually uh, he concedes and decides to go do that, and he's healed of his leprosy, and he begins to believe in Yahweh. That's, That's Elisha. That's what Elisha is most famous for. Elijah, who came before, is probably most famous for the great showdown on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and the prophet uh, the the prophets, really, he was the only prophet at that time of Yahweh, right? So so two different guys. This is Elisha in 2 Kings 2. So here's what's going on. Elisha goes up to Bethel. Bethel is a city uh, along the southern edge of Israel. So it's along the southern edge of what you might call the northern kingdom of Israel. Elisha is going up to Bethel, and as he is going up, there's a group, it says, of young lads or young boys who gather together, and they begin begin to taunt him. And that's where our story for today begins. So I want to walk through what exactly is going on. Why does Elisha respond the way he does by, by calling down judgment on them from God? Um, and so let me just give a little bit of background um, to help us understand why this this makes sense. This is not an out-of-proportion response. First thing that it's helpful to know is this. Bethel was one of the primary centers of Israelite idolatry. Okay, so 
when the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split into two, when there was this civil war, uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, became the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and Jeroboam, this other king, became the king of the northern ten tribes. Jeroboam very quickly set up two alternate sites of worship in the northern kingdom of Israel. One was in Dan, which is way in the north, and the other was in Bethel, which is farther south. So Bethel is one of the primary centers of idolatry and disobedience in the nation of Israel. And the reason I bring that up is to say Elisha is already walking into a very bad neighborhood. It's a hostile place, not a great place for a prophet of Yahweh to travel. The second thing it's important to know is that the Hebrew words referring to these boys, there are two words, yeled and na'ar. Both of those words can refer to adolescents or even to young men in their early 20s. Um, In fact, in Genesis chapter 21, Ishmael, Abraham's uh, son by Hagar, Ishmael is called a lad or a yeled, but he's actually about 16 years old when he's called that, when he's called a boy. Na'ar even more often refers to more like a young man than it does to a child, right? So this is important. This is a big group of probably teenage boys, anywhere from 10 to 20. So it's important. These aren't toddlers, okay? This is not like a group of five-year-olds that's out there uh, yelling at Elisha going, baldy, baldy, or something like that. This is more like a big crowd of young men. So you think more in terms of just a large group of angry, hostile young men. Um, And we also know it's a big group because obviously later in the passage, these two bears killed 42 of them at one time. So there must have been more than that. So you're talking about a giant crowd, maybe 50, maybe 100 uh, teenage boys who come out of the city. They make a special point to come out of the city and to taunt and mock Elisha really in somewhat of a threatening manner. Um, the third thing is this. They call him you old bald head or baldy. Now, again, uh, if you are bald, um, I hope that you don't, uh, that this episode doesn't trigger you or something like that. Um, but baldness in the ancient world was not considered a positive trait. It, it wasn't simply for aesthetic reasons. There was no hair club for men or anything along those lines. Um, the, the, the deal is that, that baldness was considered a sign of disgrace for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of those reasons was that when an army would conquer another nation, um, quite often to shame the opposing team, the opposing soldiers, they would shave their heads and pluck out their beards or shave their beards in order to disgrace them. It was kind of a way of saying, you're like an infant, you're a baby, you're just a child. They would shave their beards, they would make them shave themselves bald. It was a sign of disgrace, a way to humiliate people. The other thing was that baldness was was sometimes caused by leprosy, which was another disgraceful condition, major an outcast. 
So at best, these young teenage boys are being disrespectful. At worst, they are calling Elisha a a disgrace, an outcast. Um, They're calling him something terrible. Fourthly, they they tell him, they say, go up, you bald head, go on up. Now, some people have said this might be a reference to Elijah. Remember, because Elijah had just ascended into heaven on a chariot of fire. So this could have been their way of saying, hey, why don't you leave here and go on up to heaven just like your mentor Elijah? In other words, get out of here. You go on up to heaven. We don't want you. Uh, I think that's unlikely because... Uh, these young men probably would not have yet heard about Elijah. Um, What's more likely, remember it says that Elisha is going up to Bethel. The um, false temple, the the place of false worship, would have certainly been on a a high place. It would have been elevated um, above the rest of the city, as temples often were. So he is going up or he is ascending to Bethel. And so these young men are coming out and they're going, hey, yeah, come on, go on up. Why don't you go on up and ascend to uh, this place of idolatry? Why don't you come on up into the city? They're just kind of taunting him and messing with him because they know he's a prophet of Yahweh. They know that he's not actually going to go up and worship uh, idols in the city. And they're standing outside the city, remember, kind of between him and the city. So they're threatening him. They're, they're, They're mocking, they're taunting they're threatening him. Yeah, come on, come on, show us what you got, old man. What what do you got? Come on up to the city. Kind of like that sort of situation. So uh, this is a a highly volatile situation, probably a situation undergirded with threats of violence, um, not again by toddlers and little boys, but by youths who should have known better. And uh, that really leads me to my final point is that The thing that they are doing, which is mocking the prophets of God, that was one of the actions that ultimately led God to judge the nation of Israel and then eventually the kingdom of Judah. In fact, in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, when the writer of 2 Chronicles described God's judgment on the kingdom of Judah, he says one of the things that led to Uh, the Babylonians conquering Judah was that God was judging the people because he had continually sent them prophets and they had mocked the prophets and scorned the prophets and disobeyed the prophets. Um, It says, the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. Um, The prophets of God, they spoke for God. To uh, mock or disregard the prophets, God took that seriously. It called for God's judgment. So again, Elisha's response is not disproportional because as a prophet of God, In the nation of Israel, especially at the time, Israel was still a theocratic kingdom under the rule of God. Prophets held true authority in that type of a kingdom. He calls for this judgment and God responds by sending these two bears who judge this group of young men uh, by killing 42 of them, by mauling them to death. All right, so 
Uh, that was God's message, the result being that hopefully other people who heard about this would then take the prophets seriously and would take God seriously, that he didn't look on idolatry lightly. And, and ultimately, that was uh, one of the primary roles of the prophets. They were, they were supposed to tell God's people that only God deserved to be worshipped and to tell them that disobedience would result in judgment. Right, disobedience would result in judgment. They reminded the people that the holiness of God matters deeply. So the history of the prophets is continually coming to the people of Israel and saying, "Hey, God loves you. God doesn't want to judge you, and and if you will turn from your sin, God will forgive you. Um, but if you don't, there's punishment coming." Now, of course, the final Old Testament prophet, in a sense, was John the Baptist, who we read about in the New Testament, but he fits the pattern of the Old Testament prophets. And he came and he proclaimed the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. And he told the nation of Israel and the people of God, hey, repent of your sin because the kingdom of God is near. In other words, come back to a right relationship with God so that when the Messiah appears, you will be ready to receive him. Ultimately, of course, the the people rejected John the Baptist. They rejected Jesus. But where the Bible takes us and where the words of the prophet lead us, Jesus says all the prophets lead to Jesus so that we will know that Jesus is the perfect, holy, and gracious King and Messiah. And that is that, that salvation from our sin ultimately isn't found in the law because we can't obey it but it's found in Jesus who fulfilled the law on our behalf. So even Elisha, even his words, even his ministry, ultimately point us to God's perfect, gracious King and Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you next time.